Okay, I think we're going to go ahead and get started. Yeah. All right, Jonathan. Okay, good. All right, folks, we're going to go ahead and get started. If you can make your way to your seats, please. Good, thanks. Well, good morning, everyone. Great to see you guys. Welcome back to week number three of our Feb term. Uh, my name is Tom Barella, and it's my pleasure to emcee today's session. You'll see on the schedule on our screen uh, where we are. We're in week three, and today we're going to hear stories of parish life from a panel of speakers that are right in front of you, and you'll get to meet them in a second. We believe it's critically important that not only do we hear stories from one another, but we, uh, it, we're looking at this Feb term to kind of ramp up our intentionality of being neighbors and thinking uh, strategically and carefully of how we want to neighbor well. God is calling us and inviting us to be missionaries in our respective neighborhood, and that's why we're doing this. That sounds scary, but that's what we're going to be doing. Um, I'm going to do a brief recap of, uh, in case you missed week one and week two, and all of these talks are on our website if you want to listen to them, which I highly encourage you to do that. Uh, two weeks ago, author um, Jay Pathak talked about the art of neighboring, and he brought us up to speed on uh, the premise of his book. The thesis was what happens if we uh, literally took the great commandment and uh, executed as Jesus wanted us to, which is uh, loving your actual physical uh, next-door neighbor. And he uh, talked about um, sort of preschool level is just loving your next-door neighbor. Advanced level, uh, graduate level work is helping people in Africa or somewhere else. So he kind of teased that out a little bit um, that morning. And he also reminded us uh, that um, uh, with the neighboring map, do you guys remember the map? Yeah, that to be praying for those eight neighbors around you and just see how the Holy Spirit guides us. And then last week, Justin Early spoke on neighboring as mission in a secular age. He reminded us what secularism means, and then he invited us to three simple practices uh, practice number one was a table, which was creating a center of gravity that draws folks around the table to eat together and to listen to one another. Practice number two was friendship. He stated that uh, friendships makes or breaks your life. And finally, uh, practice number three was to love the vulnerable around you. So that's what Justin talked about uh, last week. So today, I'm excited to um, host the uh, panel discussion. And I'd like to introduce you to our, uh, our guests here. Uh, we've tracked these folks down because rumor has it they're really great neighbors, so we want to find out why they're great neighbors. So that's the word on the street. And uh, hopefully by the end of today, after hearing these stories, you'll say, man, I can do that, or I am doing, it, do, doing something similar to that, and that hopefully will encourage you. So let's uh, meet our five panelists, and I'm just going to ask them to introduce themselves and uh, just say, uh, to get us going here, just a few, minutes a few minutes of their experiences around loving their neighbors. And later on this morning, we're going to have a chance to um, ask them uh, more pointed questions. So Lauren, why don't you go ahead and start us off. By the way, Lauren just has been at the uh, high school retreat down at uh, Willow Creek. So she woke up early this morning, drove two hours to be here. So how about it? Thank you, Lauren. Um, so that just sort of covers my completely incoherent thoughts. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm Lauren. I'm married to Robert. Uh, we have three little boys. Um, Robert, who's eight. Joshua is six. And my little Samuel, who's three. Um, and we live in the north side of the city in a little um, area called Bellevue. Um, it's an older neighborhood. Um, it's very well established. Uh, we are some of the youngest um, family, one of the youngest families on our street, um, and so that has taken, um, we've had to take a little bit of a different approach to neighboring, um, because one of the easy ways that we figured we would neighbor is just to send our kids out and play, but 
Um, you know, the 70-year-old who lives next to me doesn't want to play with my 8-year-old. Mm. Um, I, don't know, I don't know why, mm. but... Um, so we have had to kind of take um, an, a different approach than we originally intended. Um, and we have set up several routines that we have stuck to, that we have forced our kids to stick to with us. Um, and they're all really simple. Um, we go for a walk in our neighborhood every Saturday, uh, so even when it's raining. Um, and we walk to the local coffee shop, and we've gotten to know the regulars at the coffee shop, and we've gotten to know um, different neighbors uh, that we see along the route. Um, and then we've committed to being out in our front yard, um, working and kind of just being present. Um, and I didn't realize how significant that was until um, I walked out front one day and I asked my husband, where, where are my three children? Um, and he said, oh, they're next door watching the football game with my 70-year-old neighbor. Mm. Um, and my kids are very, um, they, they like to be close to us all the time. So the fact that they would go on their own, um, and they were there for, I don't know, an hour, uh, just kind of hanging out, and he had opened up their home to them. Um, and that has become our normal. Uh, and, um, yeah, we just love it. Um, and then... The other practice that we've committed to is we serve meals at the local high school. Um, if you were here at the Women's Christmas Dinner, I talked a little bit more about the program that I started there, but um, I take my kids, we go there multiple days a week after school, and we serve meals to the football team and the basketball team and the track team um, each season. Um, and that has been a practice that requires lots of discipline for our family, requires different sacrifices, um, but that has produced so much fruit um, for our family, for um, developing community with neighbors who both go to this church, um, who are participating in our parish group that come with us, um, and then other neighbors who are committed to helping the schools. So that's just a start. Thank you, Lauren. Rich Crawford? Yeah, so uh, I'm Rich, and I'm married to my wife Bradley, and we have three kids, 13, 11, and four. And we live uh, in the city as well, but close to Carytown. So, um, we uh, have been in the neighborhood for three years. Um, prior to that, we were in the neighborhood for nine years where, um, frankly, a lot of the neighboring quite type of stuff was a lot easier. So where we have been the last three years has been harder. Um, we, uh, so I have to say as well, having not my wife up here, who's like one of the most um, sort of thoughtful initiators that I've ever met. And so this is from the husband's perspective what it's like to be in a, um, in a relationship with someone who's just an amazing con connector. Um, so we, we both, just, just to start quickly in terms of what our experiences have been, um, we both are pretty intentional. So we're, we're just kind of knowing ourselves. Um, we're um, a little bit more intense. We're not the life of the party. We're more the, the folks that you would have a one-off conversation with on the side of the room rather than being in the middle and entertaining everybody, so just knowing who we are has made a big difference um, as we thought about um, caring for our neighbors where we live today. So where we live today is a neighborhood where the driveways are long compared to where we were before where there was no driveways. The yards are big, everyone comes in and out of their house through their back door as opposed to the front door. And uh, frankly, everybody goes to a different school. All the kids go to different schools and our kids don't go to school with everyone else's. Um, so it takes a lot of intentionality, and some of the things that we've done, um, just real quickly, and I won't pretend to th say that it's been perfect, um, but we um, we just spend um, we're, we ensure that the the organized events that in the neighborhood that happen, we're always there, um, and you know the first in the first couple of years, especially it was really tough because it seems like everybody in our neighborhood, their parents lived in the house that they lived in, or. Um, they kind of know everyone's last name. We're relatively new to the city. Even though we've been here for 13 years, it seems like we're new, um, particularly in the part of the part of the city we live in. Um, you know, the, the handful of folks that we meet when we're out and about, whether we're walking to Carytown or whether we're going to the grocery store, we try to see that as, um, frankly, God's providence, and we try to have conversations and try to meet them. And folks that are new to the neighborhood, we really take advantage of that opportunity to bring things over to their house and spend time with them. And then, you know, lastly, um, we try to initiate with events, 
and those haven't always been successful, um, but whether it's parties that we throw with neighbors that we've just gotten to know, or especially folks who are kind of new like, like we are, um, you know, we, 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 really try, we really try to uh, take advantage of that stuff. So. Great, thanks Rich. So we've got uh, Willis and Amy Weber, so guys. Hey, I'm Willis. And I'm Amy. That's not like a radio show introduction. Um, and it's a treat to be here with you all this morning. We live over in the East End, and our spiritual family is with East End Fellowship, and we're native Virginians. Uh, Richmond uh, is new to us, though, but um, I will say it's just it's an honor to be here with you all this morning and to know the things that God has been doing through um, Corey and pastors and staff and through you all. Um, and we're thrilled to share some of our story as well as learn from um, a lot of great folks up here. Um, so I'm Amy, and we have three boys as well, ages eight, six, and two. Um, and as we thought about uh, neighboring and what it means, um, there are two things that just stood out to me right, right away that have impacted me in my understanding of who we are um, and, and what our role is. And one is from a book called Out of the Salt Shaker by Becky Pippert. Um, and I vividly remember as a young adult reading um, the sentence that says, um, our problem with sharing the gospel is not for lack of information. We have plenty of information about the gospel. Our problem is that we don't know how to be ourselves. Um, and that just struck me. Um, and also the verse from 1 Thessalonians um, 2, 8 that says, we, were, uh, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share the gospel with you, but our lives as well. Um, and just this understanding of um, the gospel is not something we have to like, here, take it. Um, but it's us being the gospel um, has been pretty impactful in the ways that we understand neighboring. So one of the ways that's played itself out is this value that um, in hindsight, we can say with clarity, uh, the Lord, I think, was leading us. Uh, there were lots of years where we didn't even know this was a value of ours. But as we've looked back, uh, it's been. Um, and that is uh, trying to intentionally create a lot of overlap in our life, um, a smaller footprint, if you will, of our life when we have that opportunity. Um, so on the big uh, kind of meta scale, that has meant when we have thought about where we live and what job we'll have and uh, what church we will worship with, which are not questions that we get the opportunity, you or I, to answer like every day. I get that. These are kind of like once in a, once in a few blue moons, right, this kind of opportunity comes along. Uh, but that value to um, have a, a lot of overlap between those, that the people we're going to school with are the people that we are worshiping with, are the people that we are neighboring with, are the people that we're ministering to, all of that. Um, and frankly, that's just because we're really limited and finite, and we just can't do it all. And so that's like, it actually serves us a lot. Um, but there are ways um, in smaller questions, but that are still kind of large, or smaller decisions that we have continued to have that value at work, um, like creating a smaller footprint of life. Yeah, so for a few examples of how we've done that. So not only do we try to yeah, live, work, school, recreate, all in the smallest <laughs> area possible. Um, so some of those decisions come up. Um, so for sports, for our kids, um, we have options of where are they going to be involved. They, they are not good at sports, but it's fun for them to learn and <laughs> learn some teamwork. Um, and so, you know, we have options of wh where are they going to do that? Who are they going to play with? Who's going to coach them? Um, and taking the opportunity, like right now, we're a part of a Parks and Rec Richmond team that we didn't know anybody on the team before we showed up um, and realized we didn't know one family, um, but then uh, have just gotten to know whoever is there. And honestly, we feel like outsiders there um, in... in <laughs> in a lot of ways, because we're new to the program, but that's been a gift to us to even know what that's like to be the outsider coming into an established thing. Um, where we send our children to school um, is another decision that we have to make year after year um, in, in choosing Richmond Public Schools and our local elementary school, um, or which pool are we gonna be a part of during the summer? Um, the one that's honestly nicer and would be easier to be at is way over there. <laughs> um, or am I gonna go to the pool that's just three blocks from me? that's probably not as nice in our case, um, but it's probably where I'm gonna run into my neighbors and spend time with them and their families. So those are some of the footprint decisions that are not just big picture, but like daily, seasonally, <clears throat> that we're making to be good neighbors near us. Thank you, Amy. Who's that guy right next to you? Uh, thank you, I'm Doug Brown, uh, married to Aline, uh, who was in the Sunday school class and um, 
unable to join us, but um, just to follow up on some of my, my panelists' um, <clears throat> thoughts, I want to introduce you to a high-tech tool for neighboring. Uh, in the in this age uh, that we're living in, um, had the privilege to be at the forum last night. I don't, maybe some others heard about what's coming in the future, and it's it's staggering. But this is still um, gets it done quite nicely. If you have any space at all, uh, we live in the Kingsley neighborhood. I've been there going on 27 years. See so at least one one Kingsleyite out there. But um, a group of kids, a willing adult, and a red rubber ball. It's magic waiting to happen. <laughs> and um, we, uh, we have, Ellie and I have two nearly grown children. Um, and when they were younger, elementary age and slightly above, um, a game sort of was, we were blessed with a game that we evolved or it evolved us and it was called, we made up the name Tens. And it's so simple. The thrower, which can be an adult, older person, whatever, is playing against the gaggle of neighborhood kids. And the goal is 20 throws, 10 catches. They have to get 10 catches within 20 throws. Super simple. Um, if you want, you can talk to me or I'll maybe get Tom to put it up on the website. Um, <laughs> just as far as what it is. Or you can make up your own, you know, whatever, whatever suits your, your way of going about it. But um, it was a great blessing. And when you get to the standpoint where you have kids circling out in front of your house on Saturday morning, then you know you've, you know you've really gotten something. But um, uh, there is a, as I mentioned, ours are nearly grown. We have a new gaggle, which is slightly up the street. Um, it's a little bit harder when you're more the grandfather than, than the dad, but um, I'm sort of breaking them in slowly. And um, again, I'd be happy to you know, tell you more about it. I want to give you all the, all the bells and whistles now, but um, super simple game. And the, the joy and the beauty of it, as far as the neighboring standpoint goes, is um, um, you can kind of make it up as you go along. But one of the things you can definitely do and you should do is incorporate all ages and give them all a chance to shine. I mean, you might have a 10-year-old who could catch anything, you know, stratosphere down. But you've got a 3-year-old who wants to play and, you know, you just set them up for success say, you know, it's your turn, and you give them the easiest little lob you could possibly and just pray that they catch it. But anyway, it's a, it's a great, good time, and I'd be happy to um, talk to anybody about it. Or as I mentioned, maybe we can get something up on the website. Yeah. Thanks, Doug. And Aline's done a lot of really cool things, too. But anyway, that's... Well, I want to hear more about what Eileen has done as well. Uh, I'm going to ask a couple of quick uh, questions here. Um, so, Lauren, tell us some of your, maybe your highs and lows in your journey of loving your, your physical neighbors? Um, sometimes I'm like, I have three small children. My entire life sometimes is inconvenient, but um, loving our neighbors feels inconvenient sometimes. Um, when I am in the car and on the way to go somewhere and I see my chatty neighbor who I know wants to say hello to me, but the easy thing is to just keep going. Mm. Um, but stopping and rolling down the window and saying hello to him and talking to him for a few minutes. Um, he's retired. I know that he is craving people to talk to. Um, it loves him and it shows my kids um, what it looks like to be patient um, when you don't want to be. Um, and then you know, feeding at the high school is not always convenient for us. My kids would rather stay after school and play than drag water um, into a high school sometimes, but um, that also brings the high. Um, so we do, uh, we sit down with the kids every January and ask them one way they'd like to serve um, for the year. And so my eight-year-old told me that he wanted to add another team in the spring. Um, hmm. That was the way that he wanted to serve for the year. Did you well, ask him another goal after that? <laughs> I was like, Can you, well, my yeah. other child wants to travel to Israel. Oh, okay. So. That, that one's not going to happen. Um, so we're going to go for the, the feeding the extra team. Okay. Uh, how about you, Doug? How would you answer that question? Your highs and lows of uh, your journey of loving your physical neighbors. Well, um, 
highs are, are numerous. Um, we have had as some pretty notable tragedies, um, you know, throughout the years um, in our neighborhood. Um, and just the lows, I guess, were um, how people dealt with that, where, where they turned, where they, they, they turned to gossip, sensationalism, or um, where they, did they deal with that in a more spiritual way, which is uplifting those involved. Uh, I guess those are some of the lows that might be endemic to you know, any, any situation, but um, to the highs were um, when our first, who's now 23, was a few months old, Aline put together a gathering for all the other parents with you know, fairly newborn children, and it was the first time that we met some of them, um, and they're still friends and um, close neighbors today, so um, looking back on those memories is definitely a high. Thanks, Doug. Uh, Rich, uh, can you speak for yourself and Bradley in terms of what you think God is teaching you kind of in this process, yeah. both you know, your previous mm -hmm. neighborhood and your new neighborhood? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, um, I mean, I think I'm probably, we're probably not, although we like to think oftentimes that we have a unique situation, we're probably not too terribly dissimilar from most of y'all, which is um, you probably feel thin, you probably feel like you have a lot of things that are sort of pulling at you a lot of opportunities to connect with others. I'm sure you have friendships that are outside of your neighborhood. And for us, um, I think what God's taught us is that um, actually kind of similar to what Lauren shared, um, when you step out and you see opportunities to connect and to be inconvenienced, God always meets you there. And I think um, there's not just been great um, friendships and opportunities to share our lives with people that have, have that has resulted from being inconvenienced, but also uh, Bradley and I have learned to relinquish control in our own family through that process because we, we just see how God has um, met us and given us grace and given us freedom. Um, I travel a lot, and um, you know Bradley has, Bradley, um, with three young kids and just her personality, she takes on a lot of things, so we're just, we just kind of, have this cycle where we just take on so much and so much we try to let stuff go. But um, God, when we do um, step out and are willing to be inconvenienced in these ways that we feel like we have no more capacity for, God always meets us and gives us much more than we expect. Um, so that's one thing. And then the, the other thing I, I would say, Tom, is that um, um, the way that are the relationships that um, have ensued have worked out, it's not always the people that we expect. And the people who bless us, we think we're going to um, make a huge impact on someone, but it turns out the opposite is in effect. And you, you hear this so much, it almost becomes something that you hear and you, you tune out. But when you, when you see it and you experience it and you see God working through someone who you're like, well, I really don't I really want to connect with that person or I don't have that much in common, the way God meets you through that is, is really, really, really powerful. Great. Thanks. I think, Rich, you talked on uh, something I think Jay Pathak did on week one was this idea of a reciprocal agreement or a reciprocal um, occurrence happens. One of our uh, idols is the idol of time. And so one of our questions I think we asked Jay was, I don't got time for this, you know. So how are you going to, you know, why should we do this? And so it's this idea is that it's, again, counterintuitive, it's counterculture is that to you know, gain life, you have to give it away. So I think, is that what you're kind of talking about? Yeah. The, the, kind of the reciprocal act yeah. of once you are giving your life away, you're getting much more in return? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, being, I think, and particularly with Bradley and I, um, we've, this is something that we can really teach each other because as we, as we sort of see opportunities for each other um, to give our lives away, and we encourage that. That gives us each more encouragement and more freedom to continue doing that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Good. Thanks. Uh, the Webbers, what do you, where have you seen God at work um, yeah, in your neighborhood? Yeah, I'll, I'll pick up on the um, kind of the idea of reciprocity. And um, so one of the things we have, I have been challenged with, and I think you, yeah, both of us, we've both been challenged in, um, is there's a lot of things about who we are and about the gifts that God has given us around um, education and race and ethnicity and socioeconomics and all sorts of things that um, would lead me to believe that I have a lot to offer other people. 
And there's a lot of Christian subculture that would also reinforce, I have a lot to offer other people, and they don't always have something to offer me, um, which makes for a very one-sided, um, worst case, best case, a transactional relationship. And so um, one of the ideas that Amy and I uh, have discovered that God has given to us is this uh, mutually in interdependent relationship uh, uh, and, and dynamic of neighboring, which is actually so much closer uh, to the original intent when man and woman were created by God to love and bless and serve one another in a mutually submitted way. And it, there's just a beauty to that. Um, that we have experienced, and God has met us a lot in that um, by chipping away a little bit um, at our kind of pride and arrogance and actually meeting us in really good ways and meeting us in needs that we really have um, through people that most of us in this room would say, well, I'm glad I get to be in their life. Um, we're really glad that they get to be in our life. Um, and there's something really dignifying about uh, allowing someone to serve you. Allowing someone to use their gifts, their station, their whatever they've been given um, to meet needs of yours, uh, which is actually more challenging, I have found, than I thought. Um, yeah, so for some examples to that, um, we, yeah, God has just, even over the past few years, put um, on our hearts and in our lives um, single moms. And yeah, uh, we have a particular friend who's a single mom, she has two young children. And a, ways that, a way that we can practically serve her is like babysitting her children because she works all day and then she has her children when she's not working. So there's zero break. And as a mom, I know, holy moly, that's a lot. Um, so we can bless her by babysitting her kids. Now that makes our house a little nuts because <laughs> she has two and we have three, so that's five. Maybe that's normal. Maybe some of you guys have five kids, bless you. Um, but it's a, it's a little nuts. It's costly um, to us, but it is a blessing to her. Um, and um, sometimes she borrows our car because for a while she didn't, for certain, certain circumstances, she didn't have a car. Um, and so she was borrowing our car, um, and she had a flat tire. And um, so she's calling us and texting us and telling us she has a flat tire. And our immediate response was like, oh, man, how are we going to take care of this? How are we going to, like, figure this out and come to her rescue? Um, but she very quickly was like, I've got this. I would love to fix the tire for you. Like, I, I will do this. I know where to take it. Like, I would like to do this and pay for it. And our first response was like, oh, no, 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 you don't have to do that <laughs> in, in our minds. But then we quickly realized, like, no, we need to say yes. We need to say thank you. Thank you for serving us. And thank you for being willing to be inconvenienced to, like, to fix the tire. Thank you. Um, and having, like, go back to this last thought about um, this mutual interdependence um, is beautiful when we have people in our lives that don't look like us or don't have the same um, similar life as us. So for us, that means um, being with people who aren't just a young family. Um, and so maybe that, yeah, maybe it's single moms because that's different than what our life looks like. Maybe it's folks who are single that we, we particularly want those people in our lives. Um, not Again, not just because we have something to offer you, but actually they have a lot to offer us and to offer our children, that our children can see life doesn't look just one way um, and that they can be encouraged um, and empowered to be who God has them to be as a single person, as a grown-up, <laughs> um, or as in a family. So that's a way that we're blessed by people who look like differently than us and have a different stage of life than us. Thank you, Amy. So uh, we're going to start asking you guys for questions in about two minutes. So start thinking about your questions. So I have one last reflection question for our panelists. So now that we've heard from one another, you guys, is there anything um, that you would like to uh, just say um, that's come to your mind or uh, any other kind of point of emphasis while the, the, the class out here gets um, their thoughts together to ask you guys some questions. Anything? Okay. I was really struck by the, the theme of I'm hearing sacrifice all the way down. It just really, our idea of sacrifice is really different than other sacrifices that people make around the world, but it's, it does require, you know, a rearrangement of your life and you have to give something up. And I think as West Enders and Northsiders and Southsiders, we don't want to give up our 
our time. We really want to keep it to ourselves. So I think it's this intentional rewarding of our lives is something that we really need to consider carefully. Hmm. So what, what are your questions? There's a microphone here, or just stand up and yell it out. <coughs> yes, Carolyn. people that can also, uh, <laughs> thank you, <laughs> that can, um, uh, what we can do and how we can uh, fit into the, what we can do. Into the yeah, thank you, and I, we didn't mean to exclude anyone, both younger or, or older in the panel. This is why we're opening up the floor for discussions. So anyone who wants to self-define themselves as older, if you want to... <laughs> If you want to share anything for the good of our group, uh, I would love to invite. Um, I'm feeling. We should all stand up. Well, there are, but there's a lot of young young people here. Okay, yay, Stephanie. resources that don't have family, that don't have anybody to give them a ride to medical appointments, whatever. So it's a small thing, but I've given neighbors rides home from hospital in the snow because I have four-wheel drive. I mean, I'm ready to go. <laughs> so, um, hmm. so my neighbors know that, and people from church, I get a lot of calls, and it's just been a real gift. Great. Stephanie, also share something about um, that. Is it a weekly group or a monthly group? I know you... Can you share about that, too? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah um, talking about ministries, sometimes, you know, I think I have to go looking for stuff. I have to go looking for a ministry or an opportunity to be a good neighbor. Um, but God, for, my, for me, um, three years ago at the Christmas dinner, I sat next to two women that were new at the church. And uh, they said, well, what do women do that are over 50 and on their own at this church? I said, I have no idea. Huh. <laughs> but what I did say is I said, but I'll get back to you. And so I waited for God to kind of give me some direction because he was like, okay, Stephanie, you need to do something. So uh, three years ago, we started a ministry for women over 50 and on their own. And every month we meet at a different person's home hmm. and we have an hour of a cover dish and then we have an hour where we have a, um, I share a devotion and then we break into groups of three so we can get to know each other and women have come from uh, all over the city that, don't, that are in churches that they don't have um, anybody their age they're sitting alone hmm. uh, people have brought neighbors so that's been a good opportunity and right. something God created for me I didn't create for myself Thanks, Stephanie. That sounds as sophisticated as that red rubber ball thing. <laughs> okay, some other questions. Yes. Go ahead. life stage or a natural way to bring people together and families together. We had the same thing growing up in a kind of cul-de-sac suburban neighborhood and it was, it was easy. Now that we live where there are um, fewer neighbors, we have live on a street and there's only like seven houses on our street and they're all on the same side of the street. And I think almost all of our neighbors have children who are grown and, um, and gone. And so the question is how do you, what's a natural connection point in some ways, pets, dogs are very helpful to replace children. I mean, literally, I mean, we, 
out walking the dog and we'll run into some neighbors um, and, and the walks thing. And, and it, it is a little bit more difficult um, to Carol's point actually to, you know, to connect at a different life stage. And um, I think it's, a, it's, you know, ideas about that uh, if other people have have thoughts. Looks like Lauren does. Okay. And, Lauren has one. Yeah. And, and Rich does. Great, great. And, and also, um, you know, I, I think the other thing we found is the walks in the neighborhood help a lot to meet people. Um, and my wife, Kim, is, is very good about, about that and, and inviting people um, to different things. So um, just I'll throw that out there. So. Hey, Doug. Yeah, there you Thanks. Oh, so I'm in the life stage with small children, but um, I participate in a book club with all the women on my street and doesn't require transportation. We all walk because we all live on the same street. And I, I drop the average age of the book club by significant amount. Huh. Um, but I love it. It's been like, it's been my in to know sort of what's going on with all of my neighbors because these women want to come and they want to chat about what all the other neighbors are doing. Um, and it has just, it has been such a gift and I can come home and fill my husband in so then he can go and talk to the men about what's going on. Huh. Um, and the, the Lord is, is, you know, is blessing my commitment there because the other week we, I mean, we usually, like all book clubs, we talk about the book for like a half hour and then we talk about other stuff for the other two hours. Um, <laughs> And we got on this topic of religion, and they all went around, and they shared how they grew up and the type of church they went to and how that affected their upbringing. Um, and it was just, a, you know, an amazing sort of insight into their lives. So I vote book club. And Rich? And so just a quick story um, from my previous neighborhood, although we go back and we, we visit with this guy often, Carol, to your point, um, there's a gentleman who lives there who um, is a widower, probably, um, he's prob his wife probably died 20 years ago. He's probably in his late 70s, and he knows all the names of all the kids on the whole block, like super, uh, uh, has really uh, invested in their lives. And uh, I, um, sorry, I'm um, just kind of getting emotional about it, but because um, he um, is, um, now his health is not very good, but um, he, um, two quick things um, from my experience, so when I first started traveling quite significantly, he, he used to come over right before my trips. And at that time, my kids were like seven and four, and he would visit with my wife and say, hey, listen, um, you know, if there's ever anything that you need when your wife is gone, I'd love to, to help you. He brought meals to her. He brought, me a, he brought me a book right before I went to Japan on my first trip to Japan. It was like a five-page book that he went out and bought on, you know, quick language and uh, greetings and stuff. And it was probably, I don't know, it was probably 30 years old and he bought it at a used bookstore. But it's just being thoughtful and intentional. And, and it, when it came to parties, he, he was always there. He, he showed up. So ju just an encouragement to y'all, especially when you have young kids. I think we all um, really want older individuals in, in our kids' lives, not just our grandparents, but neighbors can have a powerful impact on our kids. Um, so just to en en encourage y'all, um, there's definitely a tremendous opportunity there. Yeah, thanks, Rich. I think we had a question over here. Yes. Yeah, I was just going to say that same thing, um, or similar along the lines, is that we've been here, but we don't have family in town. We don't have any aunts, uncles, cousins, anybody like that. And so for older people to pour into my life and into my kids' lives would be like a huge blessing to us and our family. So I, I don't know why you count yourselves out, but investing. I mean, we can bring our kids out into the neighborhood, but if you come out to us as well and invest into us as young people, although I'm not as young as I used to be, I still yeah. feel that way, but you know, huh. it goes both ways. So, Hi, um, my name's Kim and I go with him, um, huh. or at least I have for a while. Um, so I am involved in an art class that I love, Glass at Visual Arts Center, and I've been for years, and I have a great relationship with people that are not like me. They're just artists. I'm not necessarily an artist, but I have fun trying to do art. And so 
I'm struggling a little bit with in neighboring with them now. I've gotten to know them all well, and I'm friends with them. But and I've invested in my, my life with them because we talk about our issues and kids and all that stuff as we do our art. But I'm struggling and I'm frustrated with how, I, you know, I'm, I'm living my Christian life. I'm sharing my ser- the sermons. I'm sharing my faith a little bit as I talk about how I spend my time. But I'm trying. To, I'm having a hard time with that transition. If anybody has any suggestions, I'm. How do I? I mean, I, I'd like to go the next step because it's been six years now that I'm sharing my life hmm. with them. But going to the next step of using words mm-hmm. and kind of challenging there, where are they, where they are? And that, that's, that's where I'm struggling and frustrated. So that, That's a great question. And yeah. uh, I think I would like to just suggest, uh, um, you know, Jesus was really good at asking lots of questions. So I would just ask you to prayerfully consider maybe some questions you would like to ask them and let, let them kind of uh, uh, respond rather than us telling them what we think. Just let them ask some really good questions and listen. People love to talk and people value people who listen. So that would be one, one quick thought. Um, anyone else? I do have a thought on that because yeah. that's so key. Um, and what I do now is I say, Father... You talk about living by the Spirit and seeing by the Spirit. And um, excuse me, in 2 Corinthians 5, it says that we no longer see people by the flesh, but by the Spirit. So that's available to us because we have the very Spirit of the living God inside us. So in my time in the morning, I think Corey said it today, I say, Papa, I want to help me to see what you see. So instead of, you know, you're a drunkard, what's wrong with you? If God will give me a word for that person, um, I can say to that person, you know, I'm thinking, I'm feeling like the Lord um, has a, such and such a plan for you. Does that resonate with you? Or if you don't get something specific, anything that comes from God's going to be encouraging. So you can just say, I know the Lord loves you so much. Um, so if we speak to how God sees that person, he, he only sees us according to his son. He only sees us beautiful and perfect and lovely. So we have ways of ministering into them and drawing them out where we're not pointing out what's wrong with them. And people really respond. You know, we think, oh, well, they don't want to hear my story, but everybody wants to know they're loved. And, and the other thing somebody said the other week was, if I've died to myself, then I have given up the right to care what you think about what I say, and there's tremendous freedom in that. You know, call me a weirdo Christian. I got a whole family full of these people, and I'm the weirdo Christian, and okay, you know, but I'm, I'm out there because I'm sold out. So we can really love people and just trust God for the working out of that. Thank you. Sonny, I know you've been You've had your hand raised for a little bit. And uh, Willis, why don't you say something? I was say, can I yeah. offer one resource? And that's a book um, by InterVarsity Press called I Once Was Lost. A lot of times we will sit in a room like this with majority Christian and try to guess what, like, what do the non-Christians in our lives need? And um, this book is actually, um, now I, I, the caveat is it's pretty college-centered, meaning like all these folks who made decisions for Jesus and are walking, following him, uh, it all happened in their young adult life. But they... Uh, ask all of these people, can you tell us more about your story, how you came to know Jesus? And um, you don't have to buy this in a like fatalistic way, but they, they say that there are um, some categories that people are in, some phases before they come to know Jesus. They don't happen linearly. It's not like a get this and then this. However, to Tom's point, in terms of asking good questions, there are some questions that are better asked at different points of somebody's spiritual journey. So that's just one resource I once was lost by InterVarsity Press that at least kind of picks up that idea and runs with it. I'm sure there's other things that are out there like that. Um, and I, I feel you're like that, that being in that spot of like, okay, I've got some trust. We talk. What next? Um, and then I'll definitely echo, I mean, the Holy Spirit nod. One of the most life-changing things for me was actually understanding the way the Holy Spirit was going before me, going after me. I don't have to be the beginning and the end of anything. He's doing the work. Uh, and there's some freedom in that, too. So, yeah, that's a great question. Great. Thank you, Wills. Hey. Hey. I don't know if I need this. Um, 
as an art teacher, I'd like to speak into that. We worship the uncreated creator. And because we have a desire to create, all of us, whether we sing in the shower and the God's the only one who hears us, or whether we write poems that we fold away and no one sees, or whether we do drawings that we're dissatisfied with because it doesn't match up to anything in our mind's eye, because the creator created us, we have that desire and that's a wonderful starting point to start with someone. You seem so creative. What makes you want to do this? Or where do you think this comes from? Or when you're looking at a blank piece of paper and the hand can reproduce something that the eye sees, to ask them, gosh, you know, what do you think about this? Do you ever think about this? And ask the Lord specifically that. And he will give you questions that will be the key for that door for someone in there because he, he knows their hearts exactly. But because he's the uncreated who created everything, you know, uh, way to stick with the artistic folks. You being there, never underestimate the value of being present. Never underestimate that. You know, it's very easy for us to be excited about the people who whirl in like a cyclone and to overlook the fact that God grows oak trees out of acorns and roots that go deep are powerful and stable. Um, I wanted to share two things real quick. One, when Faye was younger, we live in the city. Sorry, I should say that. No, I'm not sorry. I'm glad, but we live in the city oh. <laughs> and have for uh, all the time that Court and I were single and all of our married life. And we live over near Forest Hill Park. And our neighborhood has changed quite a bit. Um, one of the things that Faye and I do, uh, she's in eighth grade now, but when she was younger, we always have to arrange play dates always because we had so few kids of her age in our neighborhood and what I would do was just send a blast email the Rose Bros are going blueberry picking on this day we'll be there from 8 15 to 10 30 and I would send it to just oodles of noodles of people and we would blueberry pick our brains out then we would come home and we would clean the berries and we would say who in the neighborhood will we bring these to and so uh, we would walk and we would go bring some to Mr. Mace, who was a former teacher with the city who lived about four blocks from us. And we would just bring him and his dog, Chips, some blueberries. And the neighbors would all notice. They would say, well, you know, what, what's special about Kent? And we'd say, well, we know him and we know Chip. And so pretty soon people are talking to Mace a little more. And then, and then we would check on him. So instead of saying, hi, you're older, we want to check on you, we'd say, we went blueberry picking and we wanted to bless you with some fresh berries. How's it going? And we did that for years with different kinds of excuses, you know, uh, when we had our garden in our front yard. So um, if you have an opportunity to do something like that, don't pass that up. And I want to speak one, one more quick encouragement, and that is if you have anyone in your neighborhood or anyone in your fellowship group who has um, adopted children, please don't <coughs> underestimate the impact of being present with them. Um, the idea that one woman in our neighborhood did this years back uh, with one, and her daughter did it with our daughter, um, but not so regularly. Anyway, what she did was this. They had a friend of theirs who adopted their daughter and was a single mom, and she said, you're coming to our house on Friday. She said, well, I said, no, 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 you're coming to our house on Friday. And every Friday, they came and had dinner just for the first few months. And then after the first few months, she said, you're on your own. We've got this. We have Caroline. You go do something. Go do something. We don't care. And so this family down the street from us grew up like that. And their middle schooler helped us when Faye was little to get Faye used to playing and being in the yard and being up to 30 feet away from us without panicking. Um, and ended up being just a rich, rich friendship. But that's not something you can't just pop in and say, hey, I'll babysit your kid. They don't know anybody. They don't know the culture. Hey, let me help, you know. But if you, um, it's, it's an inconvenient thing, just like picking too many blueberries. Yeah. Uh, but trying to figure out, who can I bring blueberries to? But don't bless them with a gallon, just a regular size serving. Thank you, Sonny. All right, we have about one more minute, so 
the power of introverts. I know you're out there. So, any any good? Yes. Blair, if you could use that mic, please. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it sounds like you're modeling good practices for your children. What does the conversation look like around the dinner table so that you are not um, creating a version of we are blessing the neighborhood with our presence and that the children are seeing that we are also recipients of, of our neighbors, that it's not just purely us handing out all the time and building a kingdom of our, of our own. Yeah, thanks, Blair. That's a great question. Who would like to answer that one? Well, I'll, I'll just say that we, we don't speak like that with our children. Like, we, these are our friends. Like, these are our neighbors. Like, who do you want to play with? Like, it, it, we, don't, we don't even speak about it in a way that's like, we're helping all these people. Other, other than, I mean, because, yeah, we fail all the time, and we're probably not helpful many times. Um, yeah, I think I think we just treat it like we're they're just relationships. I don't know. I'm trying to trying to think how else to say that. Yeah. That's good. Thank you, Amy. We tell our kids it's their we maybe maybe we do it wrong, but like we tell our kids that like it's your obligation to make sure that that your neighborhood friends know that you love Jesus. You, it's not your job to change their hearts. That's the job only God can change their hearts, but it's your job to make sure that you love them well and always make them feel included and if they ask be willing and bold enough to say this is why I'm this way so maybe we do it wrong but that's what we do and my kids are sometimes a little awkwardly bold about it <laughs> well folks we're out of time but I just want to summarize by just um, inviting you to the one thing concept the one thing concept, you know, what is that one thing that God might be inviting you to do, uh, you know, in your neighborhood that, um, that he's kind of whispering in your ear? Um, I encourage you to listen for that voice and actually do it. And it just seems like um, the theme I'm hearing, in addition to the sacrifice and the value of presence and relationships, is just the, the idea of being very intentional about neighboring. Um, that seems to be another theme that's bubbled up. So we're going to be up here for a little bit. Thank you, panelists, for being here. Uh, let me close in prayer. Father, thank you that you love us. Thank you that um, you tabernacled with us by um, coming to live amongst us and to calling us your own family. And Lord, thank you that you have adopted us into to the family of God. Thank you for our these brothers and sisters in this room that uh, that I hope you would encourage, that you would send forth as ambassadors in your name, that um, they would be who they are uh, in their respective neighborhoods, and that they would uh, be the bonfire of the love of Christ. We thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen. We do have books for sale in the back, The Art of Neighboring, and um, yeah, thanks. <laughs>